not working. What was that noise? I see something outside. Don't go out there! Prepare yourselves for a dark and twisted tale. Wanna play a game? How long can you survive? Tori, guess what today is? Um, um, um. May the fourth be with you. <gasps> I mean, yes, it is. <laughs> but no, that's what I was getting at. I was going to say uh, today is the first time we're doing a researched episode in a while. <gasps> My God. All thanks to Star Wars. So uh, thank you, George Lucas. Is that seriously because of Star Wars? Uh, nope, this episode has nothing to do with Star <laughs> Wars. Just Star Wars is fantastic. Have you ever heard of Turnbull Canyon? I want to say I have yes, but I don't know the specifics. Okay, so uh, we actually live about 20 minutes away. So after doing all this research on this canyon and seeing all the weird and creepy crap that can like that all happened here, we're gonna go hiking there one day. <laughs> Preferably at night. No. <laughs> Heck no. I haven't even told you what's scary about the place yet. We're doing it on a horror podcast. It's not going to be all nice rainbows and unicorns. You don't know that. Maybe there's a spooky unicorn sighting. Oh, yeah. Really creepy. Yeah. Hey, unicorns are dangerous. Have you not seen the movie Cabin in the Woods? A unicorn straight up impales a guy, and then you hear magical rainbow sparkly sounds. <laughs> There's also a guy with a bunch of saws in his head. There are yeah. rednecks and... A giant anaconda that don't want none, hon. <laughs> well, I was going to say the rednecks, and then there's another group that's like... Redneck murder dead... zombies. <laughs> yeah. I knew it was like some zombie or like death cousin... Yeah. Or murder family or something, something like, like that. Something like that, yeah. Anyways, nothing quite like that. But, uh, still pretty entertaining. So, let's get into it. The legends of Turnbull Canyon date all the way back into the early 1800s. Before the Spanish came in, there were a group of Native Americans that lived in the area. Now, I've read that the Native Americans had two different names. One is the Serrano, and the other one is the Gabrielinos, which kind of comes from the San Gabriel Mountains and uh, the Mission San Gabriel that's in this area. Mm -hmm. I'm just going to stick to the Serrano name because I'm not sure which exactly it is and I saw Serrano pop up more. So I'm going to stick to that I would say one. maybe that could be like their original name, but when all the um, missionaries came through, they might have for some reason changed their name. Right. Or maybe it was just two different groups. I don't know. But I saw the Serrano name pop up the most. So that's what I'm going to stick to when I'm talking about the Native Americans here. In the 1830s, the Mexican Alta California government was in charge of the area after they forcibly removed the Serrano people and either sent them to the missions that they built or pushed them deeper into the canyon. The Serranos gave them a warning about the canyon, though. One that the Spanish didn't actually believe or really put much merit into. Of course. Right. They told them that they had a completely different name for the canyon, which I apologize that I'm about to butcher it, but they called it the Hatuk Naga. And that means the dark place. 
Which is kind of ironic because the canyon is actually super sunny. <laughs> Except for at night, which is the one time where I will not go hiking with you. Fair enough. But yeah, but it's very interesting because like this group of people were so scared of the dark place. And like this canyon, they were just like, no, 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 we, we want no part of this. So some of them were just like, okay, fine, we'll join the missions. We'll convert to Christianity. That's fine. Others, not so much. They were just like, I don't mess with this place at all. Yeah, a lot of Native American stories um, just throughout the continent, they're very in tune with nature as well as spirits. So I can see them possibly being afraid of a place for a good reason. Right. When the Spanish pushed them back into the mountains and deeper into the canyons, they gave the Serranos a choice, like I just said. You can either convert to Christianity or live in the canyon. And for the ones that didn't convert, it literally wrecked their lives. They, To them, it was like being told, you can either change your entire life and you're now obeying what we tell you to do, or you can die. Which a canyon also isn't the best place to live either. Like, there's not that much, like, plant life or animal life or hunting. Sometimes, like, rivers and streams would be dried up. Well, that, that wasn't even what the Serrano people were scared of. Well, yeah, it's probably, like, any ghosts or legends. Or spirits or whatever they had. Yeah. Whatever reason they were terrified of this canyon, I could not find. But they were just like, nah, we don't mess with this place. When the Serrano people were told that by the Spanish, they just completely gave up all hope and accepted their fate. In fact, one of the Spanish soldiers overheard a member of the tribe say, Now we are without hope. Now we remain for as long as the sun rises and sets in the sky. Which just sounds super ominous, because it's just like, our time is short. They say when you hike through the canyon, at night specifically, it always feels like there's about a hundred eyes watching you. Now the legend kind of goes that these are all the ghosts of the dead Serrano people that are now watching as you hike through the night. And th there's been a lot of reports of like different people, even some during the day, but mostly at night, just saying like there's this weird gut-wrenching feeling that like someone's stalking you almost. In 1845, the Spanish governor of Alta California gave the deed to like most of the land to two settlers named John Rowland and William Workman. The land was 49,000 acres, and that included what is now the town of Whittier, and of course, Turnbull Canyon. The two men came from Taos, New Mexico, and they both ran a pretty successful like fur trapping business. While these two set up the work in the area, they were often attacked by some of the Serrano people that went rogue. The ones that didn't convert, the ones that didn't go to the canyon, they were just like, we're going to fight back. No, you're not taking our home. And when these two guys came in, the Spanish government were just like, here's a deed of the land, do whatever you want with it, have fun. And, you know, the Native Americans were just like, well, screw these guys, let's take them out. And because of this, they often attacked, like, these guys. Specifically, workmen. Apparently, the Serrano people really hated workmen. I don't know why, but they constantly tried to attack them, and it got so bad to the point that workmen actually built a tunnel and a giant living space under his house in case they tried to come to his home and, like, attack him and his family. He had to be, like, a really bad guy. I know. My guess is that he was just a total jerk, probably. Because for some reason, like, they specific, like they attacked both of them, but they always went after him. <laughs> I feel like the other guy was just collateral if he was there. 
Probably. I mean, usually in business partners, there's always like one a-hole and one that's like, you know, kinder and more understanding. Yeah. They probably went after the a-hole that might have even been a pervert or tried to kill them or anything like that. Oh, yeah, totally. I, I agree with you. He was probably just like, he probably did so much shady things that history is not telling us or nor that I could find. Throughout the years, though, Workman did end up hiring some of the Serrano people to help him with, like, labor for, like, the fur trapping and some other, like, business ordeals that he had. And some of the Native Americans believe that the tunnel that he built was actually cursed because the tunnel also kind of had a secret exit that ended up into, like, a graveyard. And they would often report seeing sightings of spirits and witches in the tunnel. Yeah, I thought the witches was kind of funny, because I'm just like, how do you just see a witch in the dark? But all right, sure. <laughs> they also said at one point that they thought Workman was cursed. Hmm. There was a point in his life where Workman tried to um, usurp the government that gave him the deed to the land, and he tried to take over. And of course, naturally, this left to him losing all, all his money, his land. all his land. And <laughs> the Serrano were just like, he cursed. He dug his tunnel into the graveyard. This is his fault. This is what happens to him. So that was just kind of like a fun little, little legend that they had about him. And then eventually he shot himself. And he died. Next up we have another very fun era of time. The Depression. Many years later, there was a bunch of rumors flying around the canyon. As we all know, the Depression was, you know, a hard time for a lot of Americans. You know, people were out of jobs, they couldn't afford to buy food for their families, people were dying of starvation, people lost houses. And then you have the Americans that do a complete 180 and do something so unthinkable to keep their daily lives. And do you want to take a guess at what that is? Let's see, uh, murdering their competition and dropping them in the valley? Close. Apparently, there's a large group of Americans in the area that formed a child and baby selling cult and would practice satanic rituals in the canyon. They would meet at night in black robes and perform evil ceremonies. And they did this all to make money so they didn't lose How their lifestyle. How is that close? <laughs> it's not really. A satanic cult versus the elite rich people. Right. No, like, these people legit were kidnapping kids and selling them just so they can keep their lifestyle. Wait, is this the one where... I want to say we watched a video at one point of, like, creepy things caught on camera and there was, like, a cultist wearing, like, a deer skull mask and a robe coming after some kids. Is that the same location? I have no idea, uh like, where specifically that video took place. But this is definitely during the Depression. So this is, like, you know, 80, 80, 90 years ago. Something like that. Now, one story that was, like, super relevant, again, to confirm the case of the, uh, the cultist, was there was this man one night. You know, he heard rumors about cultists meeting up in the middle of the night. So he went to the canyon, you know, to check it out. He's sneaking through. And eventually he comes across something that just completely terrified this guy. When he found their, uh, their little ceremony going on, what he saw was a young 12-year-old boy strapped to a cross in the center of a circle of people. 
The cultists were chanting some language he didn't recognize and danced around the cross. And with each verse they chanted, the man said they became more intense in the way they spoke. Like, kind of like they were building up to something. Then the cross gets hoisted upside down. You know, forcing the kid to be upside down while he's tied to this cross. And that's when the cultist slowly approached the boy and began to beat him over and over again. Blood was flying all over the place, and sadly the witness knew that there was nothing he could do but watch in horror. There's too many of these people. If he'd have went there, he probably would have died too. And this kid was just beaten to high hell. After a while, the cult stopped hitting him, and the man noticed that the boy was still alive and breathing. So there was a little bit of relief, like, you know, maybe there's a chance nothing bad's going to end up happening, or nothing worse is going to end up happening. And that's when they lowered the cross, untied the boy, and stuffed him into a large sack that was tossed into a wagon. The cultists took him away, and the man never saw or found out who this kid was. The man came back to town, and literally the next day he was telling a bunch of people, like, he saw this. And no one believed him. He kept telling them, guys, there's something bad going on in the canyon, we gotta do something about it. And then... Some time goes by. Now, the area had a large amount of child kidnappings and disappearances. And then that's when the town slowly started to listen. And they decide one night to go right up to interrupt one of the ceremonies. And by the time they get there, everything's all packed up. You know, there's no traces of any cultists at all. And they were just too late. There was a theory going around because at this point... There's also a bunch of different cults that are slowly popping up across America. And one theory was that this specific cult was kidnapping kids and shipping them off to other cultists for them to perform their own ritualistic sacrifice. Or maybe there were like other branches of this cult that were doing that. And that would explain the large number of child disappearances. Now bring this back to modern times. In the last few years around the Whittier area... And specifically in the canyon, people that have been hiking have been finding a lot of metal signs that say, like, die Jesus. Um, they see satanic symbols, things that just, like, kind of weren't there before, but now they're like, okay, well, now we're seeing that. And that's leading some people to speculate, okay, these are either some kids messing around, or this is just a potential comeback for this cult that used to frequent the area for a while. Were there any bones ever found? Not to my knowledge, no one ever found any of the remains of the kids, just that a lot of kids started disappearing. Enough for the town to now realize, oh, there is actually something going on. I don't think those kids would have survived, sadly. No. Um, they would have been sacrificed. Well, they literally hung the kid up and beat him. He was 12. When you were explaining that story, I was kind of waiting for them to just, like, slit his throat. I thought that was going to happen. Just, there's no way that any of those kids would have survived. And there have to have been bones somewhere. Whether yeah, in I the canyon or I don't in think a graveyard it would be at the or... I think the canyon was maybe like a first round of ceremonies and then they shipped them off to wherever they were going to be sacrificed. Now let's go to the next uh, interesting thing that happened in the canyon. In the 1930s... Apparently, there was an insane asylum that was built in the remote part of the canyon. Most of the patients came from the Puente Hills area and some of the other neighboring kind of like towns. The asylum lasted around 10 years, 
before someone mysteriously burnt it down. Authorities claim that it was a place for the healing, but a lot of people that have seen, like, the inside of it, apparently, were just like, uh-uh, no way. This is not a good place. When was the asylum, like, built and when did it burn It was down? built in the early 1930s and burnt down in <laughs> yeah, no. early 1940s. No, that's when, like, psychiatric wards and all of that stuff was more abusive and electroshock therapy and... Doctors didn't know what the heck they were talking about. Oh, it gets better. So after the building was, you know, mysteriously burnt down by someone, in 1962... Probably mysteriously. Right. Clearly something happened to someone and they were just like, nah, this place is going down. Clearly. But in 1962, a group of teenagers came across the burnt down ruins of the asylum and thought, this is a perfect place to party. <laughs> kind of like in um, the Most Haunted Road episode we did. How they had the uh, that other abandoned ruins that they partied in. What I is with kids and wanting to party at ruins like that? I just don't get, get it. Trouble. Like, going during the day, cool, fine, you're doing research. But partying there, like, yep. I just don't get it. <laughs> I really don't. Well... Here's the fun thing that came out of this story. While this group of teenagers were exploring the burnt ruins, they came across an electroshock device. <laughs> Your face. <laughs> well, of what? course. Yeah. Of effing course. Like. You can see where this is going, right? <sighs> oh, did the teenagers use it against each other to like. <laughs> oh, they did, didn't they? They were idiots. It was just one guy. Did he die? He died. <laughs> yeah. He died. Yeah, so this guy, after being either really high or drunk, whatever he was on, he found the device and, you know, he put it on. He was like, oh, this is going to be fun to test out. <laughs> Here's the weird thing about it, though. After, you know, you know, thousands of volts were sent to his brain killing him, typically these type of machines weren't battery powered, especially in, like, the 30s when it was built. They had to have electricity from somewhere. Somehow there is still enough electricity in this device after being burnt down for 30 years that still worked. There's no electricity in this building. This building so is this like... this is in the 60s. This is in 1962 when this group of teenagers 62. came. About 20 years after, we'll say, it burnt down. And that means the technology was probably somewhere from the 1930s. Somehow this electroshock device had power in it. Even though the building was non-existent. Like, it was literally just, like, a couple, maybe, like, walls and, like, a floor. Like, it wasn't, like, a place you can go inside of. Like, this place burnt down. And that's where one of the other kind of weird, like, ghost legends come in. Where it's, like, this isn't physically possible. Because there's no power to, well, this lack of building. And this guy, playing around with it, killed himself. I mean, I could say... I'm not 100% sure how electric chairs worked back then. Maybe that was, like, a first kind of prototype of, like, an electric engine. I don't know. In 1930s, thing, no way. There's no way you have, like, a battery-operated one. Yeah, because even then, electricity would have been shut down to that area long ago. Right. And they purposely built this insane asylum 
in the middle of a remote part of the canyon. So it's like, you know, it's hard to get to. There was, were there any like basements? That I don't know. That's something where I could see where like the cord was actually hooked up to these like giant generators that were like hidden away from like the weather and the sun and like anything like that. So they may have been untouched. Yeah, the way that the building is described, I couldn't find any photos, but it's basically described as you have a giant floor layout from where the building stood, and there's just a couple walls that were still standing, but it's like mostly rubble on the ground of, you know, all the destroyed stuff from the building. And they found this machine kind of mixed in with the rubble, along with probably a bunch of other random stuff that was... There has to have been some kind of like hidden basement. Instead of or ghosts, ghosts. <laughs> if it's not ghosts, because usually ghosts don't give off electricity, they take it. I've never heard that, but go on. What do you mean you haven't heard that? That ghosts take electricity? No. Yeah, like they drain batteries and stuff like that. Oh, I've heard of like interference, but never like sucking out the power. Uh, there are a few shows where like... Phone batteries go from, like, say, 90% to, like, 20 in a span of, like, a few seconds. Then again, that could have been completely fake. I don't know. <laughs> um, there has to have been some possible engine because you're not just going to plug it in like a freaking toaster. Right. There might have been bigger things that caused that death. The next weird incident took place in 1952, and this one is just kind of a... It's not really a paranormal thing. It's just kind of weird that this also happened here. But there's this airplane that was dubbed Flight 416, left from New York City, and crashed into Hacienda Heights, which is kind of like on the northeastern part of Turnbull Canyon. This canyon is just like this big thing, and the south side you have like Whittier, and then when you go north you hit Hacienda Heights and Puente Hills, or Puente Hills, however you pronounce that city. So it's kind of just like this canyon's dead center in all these areas. And this plane just crashed into the canyon and killed 29 people. I don't know what caused it. I saw there was a documentary on YouTube, but I didn't have enough time to watch the documentary. Curious. I'm kind of wondering if maybe it's a smaller triangle. You know how the Bermuda Triangle is? A lot of weird stuff happens. I know that there are other smaller triangles and like equally as big triangles i guess just all over the world maybe this can technically be one of them maybe um i'll get into what i my thoughts a little bit later in the episode once i go through all the rest of the stuff yeah kind of like you were saying there's a lot of like small legends and there's a bunch of stereotypical legends as well one being that you can see the ghosts of children running around at night and this kind of leads to the whole well Maybe a bunch of kids died from the cult. And that's kind of the one, that was my thought too, at first, of like, oh god, here we come with the stereotypes. But I was like, you know what? No, with the cult, I, I believe ghost kids running around in that place. And Are then, there any hitchhikers? No hitchhikers, but Shopping. there have been also reports of the KKK gathering in the area. Of course. There have been reports of a gravity hill. You know, the... When you roll up instead yeah. of down. And then, want to guess what else there is? This is a popular one. A big monster? Like a chupacabra or a wolfman? No, UFOs. 
Heaven sighted in the area. Oh, of course. Yeah. UFOs are like everywhere though. Like they don't even have to be legends. But the biggest thing that probably happened here in Turnbull Canyon, other than the cult, would be the violent deaths or attempted murders. In 2002, 17-year-old Gloria Gaxolia was found dead in the area. She was shot in the head and her body was dragged by a car for at least five miles. Now, the news of this shocked the area. You know, this is 19 years ago. How could something like this happen? The police were completely baffled. There were no suspects until five years later. Until someone kind of gave the, the cops a little tip on something they heard. Eventually, Abraham Rubin Aku, Matthew Andrew Garcia, and Victor Mongay were all arrested for the murder. However, there were still more sadistic things to come. On August 4th, 2009, at approximately 1.30 in the morning, 20-year-old Christina Martinez left a friend's house with three of her friends, Vincent Mendoza, Edward Moraz, and Jose Alea. I think I butchered his last name. I apologize. Jose told Christina that before he would drive her home again at 1.30 in the morning that they were going to stop off at the beach. So now they were in kind of like the, um, in the Norwalk area. They did this actually quite a bit. So to Christina, this wasn't weird. You know, they, they drove south all the time. They would go to the beach for a couple hours, like late at night, and then they would go home. And she was with a group of friends that she's been hanging out with. But something was really weird this time. Instead of going south towards the beach, she noticed that they were going north towards Whittier. And then she kind of felt this sinking feeling. And that's when Mendoza, who was sitting right next to her in the backseat of the car, injected her neck with a syringe. She was forced out of the car, thrown to the ground, and beaten until she was knocked out with a baseball bat. Martinez came to eventually, and she saw that her hands were tied, and then the men picked her up and tossed her over an edge where she fell 14 feet down in the Turnbull Canyon. The men walked down the hill to where she landed. Alea slit her throat, stabbed her, and they left her for dead. But what they didn't know is that Martinez, while very severely injured, faked playing dead. She was still alive, even after having her throat slit. When the men were far enough away and back in the car, she took off her shirt and she used it while her hands are tied to tighten around her throat to stop the bleeding. And then she ran in a red bra and like tore up clothes after being beaten to the closest residence she could find and called 911. She lived. Luckily, there was a whole article about the girl that can't be killed also. The three men were arrested and then two of the guys tried to pin it on Jose Alea because saying that he was the mastermind and they were forced into this situation but Martinez recalls all three of them beating her. Was there any rape? Not that I saw. Okay. Just that she has no idea why they did this to her. Just beat the crap out of her and left her for dead. Easy target. They could have been, you know, trying to mimic what happened a few years earlier with the body that was found. Uh, anything could have happened. The other two guys that tried to blame Jose and tried, you know, to get off scot-free, basically, they were just like, no, he's just mentally unstable. Like... Our hands were tied. We had to do what he said. And that was our whole big uh, spiel on that. 
The last thing we're going to talk about, not including all the small legends, was in 2011 when a 41-year-old woman named Claudia was found dead near Turnbull Canyon. She was shot in the head by her 40-year-old boyfriend who dumped her body in the canyon. Her body wasn't found for almost a month later after her death. Her boyfriend, Francisco Rojas, fled to Mexico, and it took years for the U.S. to extradite him back here. And he was sentenced to 50 years to life for the murder of his girlfriend. I could have gone a little bit more into that, but I I think it's kind of going to go with the same thing as the other murder or attempted murder cases where you kind of know where this is going. So that's why I'm not going to get too deep into it. Also, we're not a true crime podcast. These are just, you know, dark, creepy things that happened in this area. And I I think at the end of the day, Turnbull Canyon is exactly what the Serrano people said it was. A dark place. Horrible things happened there. I personally think that this may be like a hellmouth or something that just constantly attracts evil and wicked things to happen here. Well, that's why I'm kind of thinking triangles because triangles and hellmouths kind of can go in the same direction where, you know, it's this area where all of this bad stuff happens. But there are usual, like, main points of bad things happening. For me, Hellmouths and Spooky Triangles do kind of go hand-in-hand with each other sometimes. I just think it's very interesting the amount of, like, history. And not just, like, good history, like, dark history that has happened here. Like, this place literally attracts bad things. So I want to go there. <laughs> Tori, you don't want to go hiking there? After Uh, hearing all these stories? During the day. I mean, I'm down. Just to kind of check it out and to see what the trail's like, I'm very curious to see what it looks like. And it's just insane to me the amount of bad things that have happened there. I mean, a plane crash, just of all things, also. And then you just have people getting tossed into the canyon. You had satanic cults. It's just, wow, the history of this place. There was a joke I saw reading one of the comments when I was in one of the articles I was researching. And one of the guys was like, straight up, Ryan Murphy could have a whole season of American Horror Story based off this place. And I was like, yeah, accurate. Pretty much just one episode going through each thing that happened. Mm Mm-hmm. Just. It's crazy. Yeah. It's sad to see that most of the things that did happen were more bad humans. Like the kidnapping and the satanic cults, the murders, you know, stuff like that. Where usually when we talk about things on this podcast, there's... Yeah. Yeah, there's always more paranormal ghosts, like creepy feelings. Like if you would... If it had stuck to the, like, you feel a hundred pairs of eyes watching you as you walk through this Mm -hmm. canyon, like, to me, that's creepy. What's even creepier and scarier is the humanistic point Mm -hmm. of, you know, just bad people in general. Yeah, and for some reason, it attracts bad people. Yeah. And it really makes me wonder what the Serrano people were so terrified about. They literally were just like... We're, we're going to die here. And they did. Well, again, that could also go back to me thinking logically on this. Mm-hmm. That could go back to how 
a lot of valleys and canyons don't have a lot of life in them. So you're either going to die of like heat stroke, of starvation, or like loss of water. True. No, like from that, yes, absolutely. But there's also still a reason they called it the dark place. And I want to know why it's called that. Yeah. All right. Any uh, final thoughts on this place before we wrap up the episode? Just that it's still a place that I would never want to go to A, alone, or B, at night. I think that's a good call for anyone listening out there. Do not go to this place alone, and apparently don't go there with friends either. <laughs> bring a gun, <laughs> or bring some type of weapon, because there might actually be cultists. There's also a bunch of signs warning people of mountain lions and rattlesnakes. Oh, kitties. Death kitties. <laughs> All right. Well, on that note, <laughs> uh, thank you guys for listening, and we hope you enjoyed this scary episode brought to you by Turnbull Canyon <laughs> in California. Tell us in the comments if you want more of these type of stories where we actually do research, more of our own personal experiences, more movies, anything like that, and we will be happy to do them. We know we have huge lists for each so yeah. tell us what you guys want there's a bunch of scary things we can talk about oh yeah all right everyone thanks for listening we'll see you next time see ya